five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, related chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. My guest today from London, England, is diagnostic radiographer Ali Dawson. Ali joins me today to share his living donor story of donating a kidney to his former colleague and mentor. Ali shares about the lessons he has learned and paying it forward through his work as a volunteer ambassador for NHS Blood and Transplant. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior, the podcast. How are you doing today, Ali? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. I'm really excited for our interview today. And as everyone knows, I have a special, special, special love for the people who I call superheroes. And a superhero to me is somebody who donates a special part of themselves. In your case, it is a kidney. And so, yes, I am really excited to interview you today because you truly are a superhero. Thank you. I've been looking forward to it as well. So I'm going to start with my first question. How did your kidney donor story begin? I donated a kidney to one of my student mentors. And it was a lady who was, when I was a student at King's College Hospital, um, studying diagnostic radiography, she always stood out. We had to do lots of different placement options in different parts of the hospital. So one of them was dental radiography, CT scans, MRI scanning, ultrasound, x-ray. And this lady worked in the dental x-ray department. And at the time, I didn't know anything about her kidney disease or anything like that. And I qualified and then I worked with her for a little bit as well until after I left King's and I saw, we just kept in touch on Facebook and I saw that her twin sister put a picture up on Facebook. Her colleagues from King's, who were also my ex-colleagues, got her some flowers and cards and she just put a picture up and said, thank you to my colleagues for the lovely flowers. And I messaged her and I said, what's up? I hope you're okay. And it was all on Facebook Messenger because I didn't even have her number. And then that was when she told me she was doing dialysis and she was been on the transplant list for two years and she was doing peritoneal dialysis. So it was three times a day. And I just said, have you got a donor? And it was kind of like my heart told me to offer as soon as I heard about it because I always remembered her from when I was a student, how much she loved to look after students and she just made you feel like she was giving you all her attention, whereas, I mean, it's an NHS teaching hospital, so it was busy, and not many people would spend a lot of time with you. So the ones that really did stick out, she was one of the few. So that's a massive decision to make, 
to actually offer. So you said that something in your heart just said to offer. At that time, did you know much about kidney donation? Did you know what was involved? No, I didn't know anything about it. I just knew you had to be of the same blood group. And that was one of the first questions I asked. I said, what's your blood type? And she said, oh, negative. And I said, oh, my God, me too. And then it kind of felt like it was fate from then on. I read a lot of information. And at first she was like, no, you're crazy. I haven't seen you for five years. And she even tried to like persuade me not to do it. Really? I guess when you don't have anyone in your family and then when somebody who you haven't seen for five years offers, it was a bit of a shock for her. And how old were you at the time? I was 29. So a very young man. So at first she was like, no, it's okay, trying to dissuade you. So what changed? I think because she saw that I was I was reading a lot about it and I was really serious and I'm the kind of person who wants to make my mind up about something, that's it. I think it's an Aquarius thing. I was really persistent and then she said, okay, well, the only thing I can do is put you in touch with the living donor nurse at King's. And that's how it all started with all the tests and everything we had to do. And I learned so much through the living donor nurse as well. She was amazing. So she agreed that she wanted to accept your offer and put you in touch with the living donor nurse. So this was the first step in the the process of donating. So what happened next? The first appointment with the living donor nurse was a bit overwhelming at first I was there for about two hours she was telling me every single step we had to go through and then she said okay we're going to do your blood pressure now (laughs) and of course my blood pressure was really high and then she said oh no don't worry about that it's just because it's probably because I've been telling you so much information so after the coming weeks all the tests started and uh, I did all the like blood tests and CT scans ultrasounds MRI scans nuclear medicine scan to check for my kidneys were healthy and I think being a radio fit that side of it was really interesting as well because I, I knew kind of what to look at on the scans as well. Is that a good thing? I know that they say that the worst patients are doctors so when you actually understand what's going on on the screen is that better well, I was, or worse? I remember before my first one which was a CT scan I thought oh my god what if I've got cancer and I see it myself and I bumped into one of my favourite consultant radiologists in the corridor and I said she said, oh, what are you doing here? Because this is after I'd left King's. I had all my scans and everything done at King's. And I said to her, oh, I'm just, this is a workup for being a living donor. And then she said, oh, come with me. I'll take you to the reporting room. And then we just sat there together and she scrolled through all the scan and she said, no, everything's fine. So it was a big relief. So you had all your checks, your CT scans. So how long did that process take? I think I started in April and then by the time we got the all clear, part of the whole living donor workup is you have to see a psychologist as well. And then one of the last steps is an independent person comes in from the Human Tissue Authority and they interview you, then they interview your recipient separately and then they interview you both together. And that was quite nerve-wracking as well. And then after all that went through, it was actually Christmas Eve when the living donor nurse called me and they called Sonia and said that we were a 100% match and we had a date for the surgery. Wow. Quite it was a big Christmas Eve. Yeah. 
Absolutely. She must have been like the best Christmas present ever. So for you then, you've gone through all these checks as in physical, you've had the psychological and legal support and process. How important would you say that that psychological side was for you in terms of being a living donor? Yeah, it was quite interesting because I was really nervous thinking, I didn't know what they were going to ask me. But it was all stuff like, are you going to get any money from this? And Because in some countries, it's still legal to buy kidneys or sell your kidneys. So they just want to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and how you are in your right frame of mind. And are you going to be okay once you've donated? How are you going to cope with everything? So it was interesting, but scary as well. And did you have support with that psychological impact of being a donor? Well, to be honest, I'm from Iran originally and I hadn't told my family and I hadn't also told my partner. Oh, wow. So I was kind of doing it all alone because I just wanted to see if we were a match first and then go through it and tell them. And how did your family and your partner respond to that? My mum said, you're crazy. She didn't want me to do it because I guess as a mum, you're just worried about your kids and how it's going to affect them and I've sent her lots of literature about living donors and stuff and it was the same reaction from my partner he was just worried about my safety and was I going to be able to live a normal life with my partner it was a lot easier once I'd given all the information he said he would support me and he was really proud of me but with my parents they kind of got in touch with the family in Iran and then I was having international phone calls telling me to do it and in the end I actually had to tell them that I wasn't going to do it because it was causing me too much stress but now I've done it they're all really proud of me and even in Iran they all say oh Ali's donated and it kind of like helped in Iran raise awareness okay Iran is one of the countries where you can actually legally like you'll see a poster in the street and it'll say kidney for sale wow Um, when they said, oh, how much did he get for it? And they said, well, you don't get anything in the UK. It's illegal. And then I think that kind of changed their opinions about it's not just all about money like it is in Iran. So there was a lot there to challenge mindsets, not only of your family in the UK, but also in Iran. So that must have been a difficult time, though, because if you've made a decision to do something which is in of itself, a very scary decision to make. And then you've got people kind of who, just like every family member, you know, they love you, they want the best for you, they don't want anything bad to happen to you, but they're trying to talk you out of it. It must have been like really, really difficult to cope with that back and forth. It was really stressful. So in the end then, what made you continue with the process, even though you were getting that resistance? Well, I knew in my heart it was what I wanted to do. And I guess going for all these tests as well and seeing how good a match we were. And it was kind of a bit of fate that we were such a good match. Even some of the doctors said, because you're more likely to be a really good match if you're from the same ethnic background. But this lady's from Portugal and I'm from Iran originally. So even the doctor said, right, you're really lucky you're both such a good match. So it was really meant to be. Yeah. So how did the process of the donation go? So you've had all your checks, you've come through the resistance of 
family members and gut people to kind of come on board with you, your partner, your family over here. So you've gone through that process of the testing, the psychological, the legal, you know, talking to your family members. How did the actual operation go? What happened? So on that 24th of December, they even set the date, which was 30th of May 2017. And it was kind of like a countdown to the date. And the operation went well. And in recovery, I remember seeing her because I had the operation first and then they took Sonia down. And when I was in recovery, she came and she was in the bed next to me. And I remember just waving at her and seeing how she was. I was I was more worried about how she was doing than how I was doing. And they came and did an ultrasound of her kidney straight away. And it was a big relief to see that everything was really good and it was working good. And we both made a pact. Whoever would get out of their bed quicker because it's a male and female wards would come and visit the other one. And she was able to come and see me after the third day. Wow. Quite emotional. That must have been an incredible feeling to see when she actually came to see you. Yeah. So you said that you felt emotional. What were you feeling in that moment when she came to see you? Well, I was annoyed because I thought I would go first. (laughs) We kind of did it as like a competition. Oh, let's see who's going to come first. But I was really, really happy and it was just so nice to see her smiling and not worry about dialysis. And in the surgery, they'd taken out her peritoneal dialysis tubing as well. So, Wow, it was, it was all good. in. And you could see like the colour was back to her face. She just looked so happy. It made everything worthwhile. I'll never forget that moment. So they really, by taking out the tube, they were all in with that kidney working because for anyone listening, for someone on peritoneal dialysis, they have a catheter inserted into her peritoneal. So if they take that out, she can't dialysize. So if the kidney failed, then they should have to have had another operation to put the catheter back in. So it was a big thing for them to take that out. So it must have been absolutely amazing and relieved for both of you that the kidney worked straight away. Yeah. So how was the process of recovery for yourself? I was in hospital for five days and then just rested at home for 12 weeks. Everybody gets given a whole load of painkillers and everything you need. So it was good to know, although I didn't have to take a lot of it, it was good to know I had it as like a safety blanket, if anything, if I had pain. And how was the pain for you? I thought it was going to be worse than it was, but it wasn't too bad. And I was able to be up and about after day seven, but I just took it easy and rested and took time off work, which was nice bonus. So after coming through all of that, the process of the testing and and everything that we've discussed now, are you still happy that you've made that decision? Do you have any regrets? No, I have no regrets and I'm able to live a normal life and it's just great knowing I was able to help somebody and make her life a lot better. So for someone listening now who may be considering being a living donor or maybe they've never even heard of it and this is the first time they're actually hearing about living donation and there's a loved one or maybe even a stranger or a colleague that they may be considering donating to. What advice would you give to that person? 
I think definitely go and read. There's so much stuff out there on Google. You can also visit the NHS Organ Donation website, which is organdonation.nhs.uk, and there's a lot of information on there. You can also speak to the living donor nurses who are amazing. and They're just a whole wealth of knowledge. Thank you. What would you say are the advantages and disadvantages of living donation? I think for me, the whole experience has been life enriching beyond anything I could ever describe. And of all the things I've ever done in my life, it's definitely been one of the happiest. And I definitely recommend Organ Donation. And to be honest, I can't think of any negatives. That's amazing. Thank you. So there's a lot of myths around living donation. And quite often people think that I've got 100% function. If I donate a kidney, I'm going to have 50% function and I'm not going to have as good of a quality of life. You mentioned before about your health and that you're healthy. So to address these worries and concerns that people have, how has your health been since donating? Well, I want to dispel misconceptions about living donation and for more people to see donors as living examples, just like me. I can do everything I did before the transplant and live my life to the full. And I think right now I'm even more healthy than I was before because I'm more conscious of eating healthy and living a healthier lifestyle. Whereas before, to be honest, I don't know how the kidney was so healthy. I didn't even used to drink much water. Okay. Um, Yeah, I used to just have like a cup of tea and coffee in the afternoon and that was it for the day. I never drank any water. Whereas now I make it my challenge for the day to go through my two litres. So I think that's probably why I'm more healthier now. And the reason they do all these tests as your kind of workup for the transplant is to make sure you're healthy. And there's so many people that they're lucky just by doing these tests, they find something on one of the scans and they were able to get treated. Whereas if they hadn't gone through it, they might have been missed. And with the one kidney, I get a checkup every year it's kind of like having a full body MOT and they make sure that you're healthy and your blood pressure is okay and your kidney function is good. So they really look after you. And was the fact that you would get that aftercare part of helping you to go ahead with making that decision? I think it played a part in it because it was good to know that I'd be looked after and they're not just going to do the transplant and then forget about you. So it was good to know that you'd be checked for life and they will keep an eye on you. And it was quite reassuring. And I think that really is an important point to make. The fact that once you've donated, it isn't like, thank you, bye, and you left to your own devices. You do have that aftercare and you do get that support and you do get those yearly checks to make sure that everything is okay. And to your point, They will not allow somebody who isn't fit and well and healthy to donate because, as Dr. Frank says, they don't want to make two patients. It isn't one at the cost of the other. It's making sure that a healthy person is donating to enable somebody else to become healthy. So I think that's a really, really important point. So I know that you've been very active in terms of advocacy and that you're an organ donation ambassador. 
So tell me about your role and the work that you do. I was lucky enough to become an ordination ambassador for NHS Blood and Transplant, which is a voluntary role. And there's about 43 of us in London and they're expanding it into the whole of UK. And it's led by a lovely lady who came from America and she started it all out. We all go to events all over the UK to help promote organ donation. I really, really enjoy talking about it to the other people who come to stalls or any of the events we go to to help answer their questions and dispel any misconceptions about organ donation they have and offer support to any potential donors as well. And it just gives me a lot of positive energy and helps me to raise more awareness. And I'm also part of a peer group at King's as well, which means I could be contacted by any potential donors who have questions and I can offer support. And this is something I took advantage of as well when I was learning about everything. And my living donor nurse was a lady and um, there are some questions you don't want to ask a female nurse. So it was nice that she put me in touch with a man who'd gone through it, who donated a kidney to his best friend. And we met in a pub and I had like a whole list of questions to ask him and I'm still in touch with him as well. And he kind of inspired me to pay it forward as well. Right now, there's about over 5,900 people waiting for an organ transplant in the UK. And over 4,500 of those are waiting for a kidney transplant. And I think it's really important to just have the conversation with your loved ones and share your organ donation decision. Because even though we've gone to the opt-out system, it's still your family who get the last decision. I really commend you for the work that you're doing. I mean, not only being a superhero, but on top of that, paying it forward to help and support others, being a peer tutor, giving that time and that information. You really are a superhero. It's well, yeah. well, well deserved. Thank you. Very kind. If anyone wants to contact you or follow you on social media, how can they do so? The only social media I'm on is Twitter and I use it mainly for organ donation and raising awareness and my handle is Ali Dawson underscore and I'm happy for people to find me on there and message me or if they like they can send me an email to ali at dawsonheath.com and I'll be more than happy to answer any questions and help them with any queries they might have. Thank you. Do you have a final word for the listeners? I think Whatever your feelings are, have a chat with those who make up your world and record your organization decision. For me, of all the things I've ever done in my life, this has definitely been the happiest and I definitely recommend organ donation. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, for sharing your story. And as I said, and I will continue to say, a true superhero. Thank you so much. Thank you and thanks for having me. I'll send my regards to all your listeners. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every other Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kitty Warrior, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love.